Chapter sixty of The Wanderer or Female Difficulties. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wanderer or Female Difficulties by Fanny Burney. Chapter sixty. Juliet was precipitately followed by Lord Melbury. It is not then, he cried, your intention to return to Mrs. Ireton? No, my lord, never. She had but just uttered these words, when, immediately facing her, she beheld Mrs. Howell. A spectre could not have made her start more frighted, could not have appeared to her more horrible, and Lord Melbury, who earnestly, at the same moment, had pronounced, Tell me whither, then, stopping abruptly, looked confounded. May I ask your lordship to take me to Lady Aurora, Mrs. Howell coldly demanded. Aurora, yes, she is there, ma'am, still in the gallery. Mrs. Howell presented him her hand, palpably to force him with her, and stalked past Juliet, without any other demonstration of perceiving her than what was unavoidably manifested by an heightened air of haughty disdain. Lord Melbury, distressed, would still have hung back, but Mrs. Howell, taking his arm, proceeded, as if without observing his repugnance. Juliet, in trembling dismay, glided on till she entered a vacant apartment, of which the door was open. To avoid intrusion, she was shutting herself in, but, upon someone's applying, nearly the next minute, for admittance, the fear of new misconstruction forced her to open the door. What, then, was her shock at again viewing Mrs. Howell? She started back involuntarily, and her countenance depicted undisguised horror. With a brow of almost petrifying severity, sternly fixing her eyes upon Juliet, Mrs. Howell, for a dreadful moment, seemed internally suspended, not between harness and mercy, but between accusation and punishment, at length, in a tone from the deep sounds of which Juliet shrunk, but had no means to retire. She slowly pronounced, while her head rose more loftily at every word, You abscond from Mrs. Ireton, though she would permit you to remain with her. "'Tis to Lord Melbury that you reveal your purpose, and the inexperienced youth whom you would seduce is the only person that can fail to discover your ultimate design, is taking the moment of meeting with him, for quitting the honorable protection which snatches you from want, if not from disgrace. At the same time it offers security to a noble family, justly alarmed for the morals, if not for the honor of its youthful and credulous chief.' the terror which in shaking the nerves seemed to have clouded even the faculties of juliet now suddenly subsided superseded by yet more potent sensations of quick resentment hold madam she cried i may bear with cruelty and injustice for i am helpless but not with insult for i am innocent mrs howell surprised paused an instant but then harshly went on this cant young woman can only delude those who are ignorant of the world whatever you may choose to utter to me of that sort will be perfectly null what i have to say is simple what you have to offer must of course be complicated but i have no time to throw away upon rants and rodomontades and i have no patience to waste upon impostors hear me then without reply not to reply madam will cost me little indignantly cried juliet but to hear you pardon me madam force only can exact from me so dreadful a compliance 
She looked round, but not having courage to open a further door, nor power to pass by Mrs. Howell, walked to a window. Not heeding her resistance and disdaining her emotion, Mrs. Howell continued, My Lord Malbury is not, it is true, like his sister, under my immediate care, but he is here only to join her ladyship, whom my Lord Denmeath has entrusted to my protection, and therefore, though he is as noble in mind as in rank, since he is still in years but a boy, I must, in honour, consider myself to be equally responsible to my Lord Denmeath for the brother as for the sister. This being the case, I must not leave him to the machinations of an adventurer. In two words, therefore, declare yourself for what you are, or return with Mrs. Ireton to Brighthelmstone and remain under her roof, since it deigns to permit it, till I have restored my young friends, safe and uninjured, to their uncle, otherwise." Juliet, casting up her eyes, as if calling upon heaven for patience, would have opened the window to seek refuge in the air from sounds of which the shock was insupportable. But Mrs. Howell, offended into yet deeper wrath, advanced with a mien of such rigid austerity that she lost her purpose in her consternation, and listened irresistibly to what follows. Otherwise, mark me, young woman, the still unexplained mystery with which you have made your way into the kingdom will authorize an application which you will vainly try to elude, and with which you will not dare to prevaricate. You will take your choice, and in five minutes you will be summoned to make it known. With this menace she left the room. In an agony of terror that again absorbed even resentment, Juliet remains motionless, confounded, and incapable of deliberation, till the groom of Mrs. Ireton came to inform her that his lady was ready to set out. Juliet, scarcely herself knowing her own intentions, precipitately ejaculated, The crisis is arrived. I must cast myself upon Lady Aurora. The servant said he did not understand her. Tell Lady Aurora, she cried, or Lord Melbury. No, Lady Aurora, she stopped fearfully balancing upon which to fix. The groom asked what he was to say. "'You will say. I must beg you to say,' cried Juliet, endeavouring to recollect herself, that I desire, that I wish, that I take the liberty to request that Lady Aurora will have the goodness to honour me, that I shall be eternally obliged if her ladyship will honour me with a few moments' conversation.' The groom went, and almost the next instant she heard the fleet step of Lady Aurora, approaching, and her soft voice with unusual emphasis pronounced, Pardon me, dear madame, but I cannot refuse her for a thousand worlds. She ought not to refuse her, Mrs. Howell, added with fervency, the voice of Lord Melbury, in humanity, in justice, in decency. Aurora ought not to refuse her. Whatever may be your fears of objections to an intimacy, there could be none too common civility, for though we know not what Miss Ellis has been, we see what she now is, a pattern of elegance, sweetness, and delicacy. A moment, my lord, one moment, Lady Aurora, answered Mrs. Howell. We may be overheard here. Honor me with a moment's attention in another room. She seemed drawing them away, and not a word more reached Juliet. A dreadful ten minutes preceded any farther information. A quick step, then followed by a tap at the door, reawakened at once terror and hope. She awaited, motionless, its opening, but then saw neither the object she desired nor that which she dreaded, 
neither Lady Aurora nor Mrs. Howell, but Lord Melbury. Affrighted by the threatened vengeance of Mrs. Howell, but irresistibly charmed by his generous defense and trusting esteem, Juliet looked so disturbed, yet through her disturbance so gratified, that Lord Melbury, evidently much agitated himself, approached her with a vivacity of pleasure that he did not seek to repress, and could not have disguised. "'Miss Ellis will, I am sure, forgive my intrusion,' he cried, when I tell her that it is made in the name of my sister. Aurora is grieved past all expression not to wait upon you herself. But Mrs. Howell is in such haste to depart from her fear of travelling after sunset that it is not possible to detain her. Poor Aurora sends you a thousand apologies, and entreats you not to think ill of her for appearing thus unfeeling. Think ill of Lady Aurora, interrupted Juliet. I think her an angel. She is very near it, indeed, cried Lord Melbury, ardently as near it, I own, as I wish her, for I don't see without wings, and flying to heaven, how she can well be nearer. However, since you are so kind, so liberal, as to do her that justice, would it be possible that you could communicate through me what you had the goodness to intend saying to her? She is quite broken-hearted at going away with an appearance of such unkindness. Can you give her this consolation? Oh, my lord, answered Juliet, with an energy that shewed off all guard, if I might hope for Lady Aurora's support, for your lordship's protection, with what transport would my overburdened heart seized with sudden dread of mrs howell she stopped abruptly and fearfully looked around enchanted by a prospect of some communication lord melbury warmly exclaimed miss ellis i swear to you by all that i hold most sacred that if you will do me so great an honour as to trust me to be the bearer of your confidence to my sister no creature upon earth besides shall ever without your permission hear what you may unfold and it shall be my whole study to merit your good opinion and to shew you my respect oh my lord oh lord melbury cried juliet what hopes what sweet balsamic hopes you pour into my wounded bosom after sufferings by which i have been nearly nay through which i have even wished myself demolished lord melbury inexpressibly touched eagerly yet tenderly answered name name what is there is i can be so happy as to do your wishes shall be my entire direction and if i can offer you any services i shall console aurora and permit me to say myself still more than you i will venture then my lord i must venture to lay upon my perilous situation and yet i may put your feelings alas to a test alas my lord that not all your virtues nor even your compassion may withstand trembling almost as violently as she trembled herself from impatience from curiosity from charmed interest and indescribable wonder lord melbury bent forward so irresistibly and so palpably to take her hand that Juliet, alarmed, drew back, and calling forth the self-command of which her sorrows, her terrors, and her hopes had conjointly bereft her. "'If I have been guilty,' she cried, "'of any discretion, my lord, in this hasty, almost involuntary disposition to confidence, excuse, and do not punish an error that has its source only in a, perhaps, too high-wrought esteem.' 
starting with a look nearly of horror. "'You kill me,' he cried, "'Miss Ellis, if you suspect me to be capable a second time "'of dishonoring the purest of sisters "'by forgetting the respect due to her friend.' "'No, my lord, no,' warmly interrupted Juliet. "'Whatever you think dishonorable, "'I am persuaded your lordship would find impracticable. "'But the stake is so great, the risk so tremendous, "'and failure would be so fatal.' "'Her perturbation now became nearly overpowering,' and, notwithstanding, she was prepared and resolved to disclose herself. Her ability seemed unequal to her will, and her breast heaved with sighs so oppressive that though she frequently began with, I will now, I must now, she strove vainly to finish her sentence. After anxiously, and with astonishment, waiting some minutes, why does Miss Ellis thus hesitate, cried Lord Melbury? What can I say or do to remove her scruples? I have none, my lord, none, but I have so solemnly been bound to silence, and, oh, but you are bound now to speech, cried he, with spirit and to lessen your inquietude and satisfy your delicacy. I will shew you the way to openness and confidence by making a disclosure first. Will you, then, have more reliance upon my discretion? You are too, too good, my lord, cried Juliet, again brightening up. "'But I dream not of such indulgence. "'Tis your benevolence only I apply. "'Oh, but I have a fancy to trust you. "'Aurora will be delighted "'that I should have found such a confidant. "'Yet I have nothing positive, "'nothing fixed to say. "'It is but an idea, a thought, "'a kind of distant perspective.' "'He colored and looked embarrassed, "'yet evidently with feelings of pleasure. "'A radiant smile now illuminated the face of Juliet.' "'Ah, my lord,' she cried, "'if I might utter a conjecture, "'I had almost said a wish.' "'Why not?' cried he, laughing. "'Your lordship permits me. "'Well, then, let me name Lady Barbara Franklin.' "'Is it possible?' cried he, "'while the blood mantled in his cheeks "'and pleasure sparkled in his eyes. "'What can have led you to such a thought? "'What can you possibly have suspected? "'She's still so nearly a child.' It is true, my lord, but, also, how amiable a child, how richly endowed with similar quality to those which, at this instant, engage my gratitude. He bowed with smiling delight. I will not deny, he cried, that you have penetrated into my secret, though as yet, in fact, it is hardly even a secret, for we have not, hitherto, you will easily believe, conversed together upon the subject nor shall we say a word about it, together, till I have made the tour. But I will frankly own that we have been brought up from our very cradles with this notion, mutually. It was the wish of my father, even in our infancy. Hold it then sacred, cried Juliet with strong emotion, happy, thrice happy, in such a wish for your guide. She burst into tears. How your sorrows, said he tenderly, affect me, and how they interest me more deeply every moment. Tell me then, sweet Miss Ellis, amiably friend of my sister, tell me why you are thus afflicted, and how, and in what manner there is the least possibility that I may offer you my services, or procure you any consolation. The door here was abruptly opened by Mrs. Howell. Red with constrained rage, yet assuming a courteous demeanor, "'Your lordship will pardon,' she cried, "'my intrusion. 
but lady aurora is so delicate that i am always uneasy at keeping her ladyship out late highly provoked yet deeply confused lord melbury stammered that he was extremely sorry to have detained them and begged that they would set out promising to follow immediately civilly smiling though fixing her eyes upon his face in a manner that doubled his embarrassment she entreated him to use his own influence with lady aurora to prevail upon her ladyship to proceed too much perturbed to resist he ran out of the room casting a glance at juliet as he passed expressive of his chagrin at this interruption and full of sensibility and respect juliet dreadfully affrighted and utterly confounded had hid her streaming eyes and conscious blushes with her handkerchief upon the entrance of mrs howell but when left alone with that tremendous lady mingled terror and indignation would have urged immediate flight had she not been apprehensive of seeming to follow and clandestinely lord melbury benign had been as yet the countenance and melody itself the voice of mrs howell compared with the expression of the one or the sounds of the other while she now pronounced the following words the terms young woman that i would keep with a person of name and character the honour and delicacy due to myself in any intercourse with such a one i sit wholly aside in treating with an adventurer i know all that has passed i have heard every syllable convinced therefore of your deep-laid scheme to captivate to his disgrace a youth of an illustrious house by revealing to him a pretended tale which you craftily refuse to trust to all who may better judge or try its truth i shall take without delay such measures as it behoves should be taken by a friend of his family and of himself to effectually open his eyes to your arts and to his own danger in one word therefore will you and this instant return to brighthelmstone under the superintendence of mrs ireton no madame juliet without hesitation replied enough i shall myself take in charge then that you do not quit the castle till the arrival of a peace officer who may conduct you where you may make your confession with rather more propriety than to a young nobleman neither native courage nor resentment of hard usage could support juliet against a menace such as this she changed colour and sunk terrified upon a chair mrs howell after a moment's pause magistrously moved to the door whence she took the key which was within side and was leaving the room but juliet struck with horror at such a preparation for confinement started up exclaiming if you reduce me madame to cry for help i must cast myself at once upon the protection of lord melbury and then assure yourself be very sure he will not suffer this outrage this effrontery exceeds all credibility assure yourself however young woman and be very sure in return that i shall not be intimidated by an impostor from detecting imposition nor from consigning it to infamy with a scoffing smile of power she then left the room locking the door without consternation alone had prevented juliet from rushing past her and forcing a passage though such violence was opposite to her nature as to propriety and to the habits of her sex alone and a prisoner the first reflection that found way through her disturbance served less to diminish her terror than to awaken new alarm 
It represented to her all the blighting horrors of calumny, in being known to place her confidence in Lord Melbury, while forced to exact that he himself should guard her secret. She felt as if cast upon a precipice from which, though a kind hand might save, the least imprudent might precipitate her downfall. She struggled for fortitude. She prayed for patience. What, indeed, she cried, are any sufferings that Mrs. Ireton can inflict compared with those I am flying? If I must submit to transient tyranny or hazard incurring misery as durable as my existence, can I hesitate to which I shall yield? Hastily now she looked for the bell, and rang it repeatedly, till someone through the door demanded her orders. Acquaint Mrs. Ireton, she answered, that I am ready to attend to her in Bridalmstone. The door was almost instantly unlocked, and Mrs. Howell again appeared. I deign not, young woman, she sternly said, to inquire into the reasons, the arts, or the apprehensions that may have induced your repentance. I am aware that whatever you would tell me is precisely what I ought not to believe. I come merely to give you notice that, if you venture to attempt keeping up any sorts of correspondence with Lady Aurora Granville, or with Lord Melbury, nothing can save you from detection and punishment. Mark me well, you will be properly watched. She then retired, shutting, but no longer locking the door. All a philosophy of judgment or forbearance that the indignant Juliet possessed was nearly insufficient to keep her firm to her concession upon a harangue thus insulting. Necessity, however, inculculated prudence. I will await, she cried, better days. I will learn my ultimate doom ere I seek any mitigation to my passing sorrows. If all end well, this will be as nothing. Forgive and forgotten at once, if ill, and so overwhelming a weight of woe, twill be still less material. End of chapter 60